0: Hello Delish Human, this is episode 38 of the Off-Kilter podcast, Training Pregnancy and Pelvic Floors with Lizzie Crouch. In today's episode, I sit down and chat to Lizzie and we first connected in 2015 when she and her brother John Marsh owned a gym called Workshop in Melbourne, Australia and i had the pleasure of being a coach there for a couple of years and taught their mobility and olympic weightlifting programs lizzie has a bachelor in exercise science a masters in business and is a postnatal exercise specialist she now supports women in getting the most out of life through movement and exercise during pregnancy postnatal and beyond Her why, and you know that I love a why, for what she does is grounded in a new role she took on almost two years ago when she gave birth to Jackson, her son. Now almost two, and she has another little human on the way. So in the episode... Lizzie talks about how she thought that she was strong and fit for pregnancy, but soon found out that being able to squat 90 kilos didn't prepare her for the changes her body underwent during her pregnancy and postnatal. In this episode, we talk about training, her pregnancy, pelvic floors and the breath, body image, and so much more. Lizzie really wanted the tools to safely get back into the gym, onto the trails. She is an avid trail runner and back on her bike. She dived into the research to learn about how to start training again after the birth of her son and now really supports women to feel strong and capable and not have a hesitation when it comes to exercise, pelvic floor health, and saying yes to training, movement, activity, and adventure. You can connect with Lizzie on Instagram at Lizzie J. Crouch, and her website is lizziecrouch.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We could have talked about pelvic floors, peeing, and training for hours. Okay, let's do this. Episode 38 with Lizzie This is the Off-Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Boe. Episode number, right? Because I never do um, when I announce it. This is episode thirty-eight, and I'm sitting here with Lizzie. Uh, she is all the other way over the other side of the world in Melbourne or Victoria in Australia, and I'm sitting here in my apartment in Vancouver. Lizzie, thank you for creating space to come on the podcast today.
1: No, pl- no, no problem at all. My pleasure.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, chat to you. Lizzie and I first met six, maybe six years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Five five or six.
1: Yep. Would have been. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I had the pleasure of working uh, with Lizzie and John, her brother. They owned Workshop uh, in Kew in Melbourne and I came on board and that's when I first connected with uh, Lizzie. So she's been on quite a journey uh, over the last few years. Uh, and today we're mostly going to chat about pregnancy and exercise.
1: <laughs> yep. Funny that, hey? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so Lizzie, where I love to start is a little bit about your story Uh, And we don't have to go way, way, way back, but you have uh, such a cool story around your education, the work that you did with nutrition and then the gym and now uh, where you are. So let's maybe start with what you do now and then we'll go and explore the why behind that. And we can start a little bit further back in your story.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so now I, well, now is very, very uh, little blip in time with this whole COVID thing going on, um, but it's actually been an, an incredible kind of shift for me as well. So now I guess my main thing is I'm working on education um, to improve kind of my knowledge in the space of working with women in pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and doing some extra specialty training in those areas. And that stemmed from me going into getting thrown into that myself, having my son Jackson two, he's almost two. So two years ago. And, um, you know, going into that, I thought I was strong. Like here I was this gym owner, like can squat heavy, um, thought I had it all in terms of body strength and body awareness and I guess what it taught me was I had no idea and in fact I was on the complete other side of that spectrum Um, and also I guess it woke me up to the fact that I've been working with women for years and years and years and I had no idea like so so many women I think you know they say 85% of the women you work with will have kids Um, once you have a baby or postpartum forever so yeah, it really showed me how little I knew in terms of that transition. Um, And I wanted to, I guess, help women um, kind of explore that time, whether that's through pregnancy um, and after and beyond. And that carries all the way through to menopause. Like for me, there's areas all the way through that are completely neglected. Um, And so, yeah, that's where my spaces now, I'm now also pregnant. So I'm 20, 21, 22 weeks. So I'm, re, I'm getting to kind of go over that again um, after being kind of mind blown with Jackson and having no real idea to now going, okay, awesome, this is a really good opportunity to be my own detective, um, which then can also help other women later on. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, which is,
0: it's so cool. And this is why I really wanted to speak to you because I work pretty much all with women Yeah, and you hear about it. You can read about it a little bit. Uh, you know, you can, they can tell you stories, but I feel like it's, the experience of like going through it and learning especially if you come from a training background because to totally. me I think about it and I'm like yeah I would be fine yes. <laughs> like I'm and I was the same.
1: <laughs> yeah I was the same because I've always wanted to have kids I've always been one of those people that's looked forward to having babies and kids running around and along with that my whole life it was like I really was always looking forward to being this fit pregnant woman pumping out pull-ups <laughs> um you know unstoppable i will bounce right back this all the stuff now which makes me feel ill to even say um <laughs> but i was that because that competitiveness i know i was in a crossfit gym i've that competitiveness in comparison um i couldn't wait to be that pregnant woman and so when i was put into that position you go oh this is really different and the recovery Um, plus you're, you know, I think along my journey, my perception of training and why I do the, the movement that I do or the exercise that I do has definitely changed. Um, but yeah, even more so now after having kids, um, and so many women are in that position where now, now we have social media as well, which is telling us we need to look a certain way and do it a certain way. Um. And, yeah, I just want to bring a lot of kindness, I guess, to that space because it's really needed and understanding and empathy for those women. um, Because I know what it's like to be competitive and think you've got it all figured out and have no idea.
0: And I hear it. I hear it very often. It's a a struggle and I hear it. I don't work with a lot of uh, pregnant women and and early postpartum, but like we were saying before we started the podcast, I hear it five, 10 years later that the struggle is still there around their body image, their relationship to their body, uh, and this comparison this before uh, before yeah. I had kids, or you know this mum looks this certain way, like why do why can 't I look like that and so I wanted to dive into this space a little bit, and uh, if you 're open to sharing uh, like some stuff that came up for you around you know you you come from. Like you said, you're in the gym space, athletic, strong for a lot of your life. Uh, and then you got pregnant. Can you talk about the journey with the relationship to your body?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I guess I was lucky in that my journey started a little bit before I got pregnant. Um, I was learning, you know, a lot through my brother John. We were standing in the gym, kind of. Understanding where the ego came into lifting, and and he was having a lot of discovery in that. And so, I tend to copy everything John does. But also, I was around a lot, so I was you know getting a lot of that learning from him. You know, do I have to be the strongest girl in this gym? Do I have to always have the most weight on the bar? Because that's where who I was for a long time. Um, and so, I'd already started to question um, why I was doing what I was doing which was gold because otherwise the pregnancy would have sidelined me even more, I think. Um, And I know, you you know, your body's changing. That's the first thing that you notice is your body changes physically. You, you know um, you start gaining weight and then there's this whole psychology around how much should I be gaining? What should that look like? My clothes aren't fitting. You feel different. Um, You don't know what, kind of weight you're going to gain or where it's going to be or what that's going to do to your mobility. Um, For me, it caused a lot of pain in areas that I wasn't um, aware of. So like glutes and hammies were sore and tight because you're getting all this front load. Um, So I think, yeah, I think I was really fortunate that that questioning had begun before, but it allowed me to further dive into that of, you know, I guess separating, yeah, the competitive Lizzie from the Lizzie growing a human being and being able to give myself a break. Um, And it was interesting. I thought I would want to be super fit and active through my pregnancy. And I just didn't feel like it. Um, I didn't have morning sickness. I was really lucky. But I didn't with this one either. But, you know, I just didn't really feel like doing that much. Didn't feel like going to the gym. Didn't really feel like I felt like walking a lot. Um, I didn't feel like swimming and I'm a swimmer growing up. A lot of people say that's the best thing ever. But for me, stretching out and lengthening just felt horrible. Um, so, yeah, it was really weird to go into something and trust and learn to trust the body saying, you don't feel like heading to the gym. Because, and here I was a gym owner. Being a gym owner and not wanting to do strength training was quite a mind-blowing thing that I had to come to terms with. Um, and I had to explain too. You know, a lot of people were asking me, Are you training? What are you doing? You know, how are you staying fit through your pregnancy? Um, and I had to, yeah, kind of confront that in myself. And I think I was so lucky I'd done some of that work. Um, but you can see how hard that would be for a lot of women and how much that might get them to want to hide away from all of that. Um, yeah, that yeah. that comparison
0: would could totally. just come out. It's because it's already there, and this yeah. is the thing. It's so, it's so prominent. It's yeah. where we experience it, and then this is why I'm really fascinated about it. That, like, how do you navigate through it because of the the comments or the questions or yeah, you you comparing to to I guess our social modeling of you know yeah. what a what a, a good normal great pregnancy <laughs> looks like definitely yeah.
1: yeah you don't and you don't see kind of those people aren't posting you know it's and they're not posting when they're taking it slow and trying to sleep more and feeling a little bit off you know they're posting when they're doing all these incredible overhead squats with a big belly and stuff which is awesome Um, but I think there's a really lack there's a lack of sharing of that place of it's okay to slow down Um, and you know you've got all of a sudden this extra thing of you've got this baby to look out to look after and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of communication coming back from the baby Um, in terms of you know like this movement's okay or this movement's not or and all we we gotta kind of navigate that on our own. Um, and so one of the things that I'm really passionate about, I guess, from that is saying, what are you training for? And you're really big on this, and I love it. Like, what are you training for? For me, it's like we're train. I want people to be training or mothers to be training for motherhood, because I know firsthand what it's like to all of a sudden be lent forward, feeding for hours, sitting on a crappy bed at 1 a.m. in the morning. And three and five and seven um, I know what that does to my body which I thought was strong Um, and rather than just avoiding movements that aren't good for pregnancy so rather than it all being about don't crunch or don't do this um, I would love to see it shift to be do this you know it's change your training to prepare you for this so that you're not in pain, as well as not sleeping, as well as having this whole new thing to to figure out. Um, You know, I couldn't lie flat on my back, I reckon for a year without pretty bad pain after having Jackson, because my thoracic spine was so locked up. And I remember saying to people, like when I had my checkups and stuff, I can't lie on my back, I can't sleep on my back, it really hurts. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know. um, There's just no talk about that stuff. So I want to kind of go, okay, this is what's likely to happen and what you're likely to feel like. Let's get you trained for that so that that's not an issue, so that pain isn't an issue. Um, Rather than let's just keep fit. You know, movement's great and exercise is great through pregnancy. It's been shown to be, you know, fantastic for the mother, for the baby, for recovery, for labor. But are we just avoiding things that no-goes or are we actually changing the programming just like we would with an elite athlete in any sport what's specific to you what do you what's your purpose with your training
0: and I just I love that so much Um, I'm a big fan of why and what are you yeah what are you training for but I love that because you become specialists you become specialists at at bearing children at becoming mothers and so it's like People are still training in a generalist way, which is great to have that foundation. But yeah, what's missing is this this adding in, like this specialty training. I just think of Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, that's a specialty. So I had to have a base strength and fitness, but then I do specialty exercises to like train my muscles and my joints and my body. And it's the same when you are carrying a baby and then after you birth that baby, the, the positions that the body's in.
1: Yeah. are so different. And you don't get told, you know, in your, in your pre, prenatal, antenatal checkups, you don't get told, can you sit in the forward posture and breastfeed for an hour, you know, and have the baby on one side. And it was also interesting, you know, we focus a lot on mums in this space, but my husband, Tim, he completely fell apart post Jackson <laughs> physically. <laughs> he had neck stuff going on. He couldn't, he couldn't sit in his car and drive because for him too, (laughs) um, it was, he didn't even have the pregnancy, the nine months to progressively build the weight that I had. So for me, it was like, okay, awesome. This weight's not forward in my belly anymore, but now it's under my arm or over here. But it was like, I couldn't believe how, and he couldn't believe how it was like, you need to be strong in ways that you don't necessarily prepare for, you know, just avoiding crunches and, and kind of impact stuff doesn't necessarily prepare you for one sided and lowering cots are the stupidest design I've ever heard (laughs) of. We need to address that because it's, it is so difficult to lower a a sleeping baby down into a bed and not hurt yourself. If you don't have any prior, understanding of that you know and here i was thinking i was i was so set up for like you know i can throw a little kettlebell around i can throw a baby around but no there it's yeah it's that time in those positions as well that we underestimate um yeah and talking to mums that you know i know a lot of women are feeling it and then you have the recovery of your birth too um and that's so different for every woman um And if it's not rehabbed properly, just like any injury, it's going to keep, like you say, it's going to keep showing up three years, five years, 10 years. I speak to women at the gym I work in now, you know, 20 years down the track and they're still struggling with pelvic floor issues that totally started from their labor and birth. So how does that impact, impact your movement and ability to, you know, be happy and functioning well into your life?
0: Yeah, I've seen at least half a dozen women that have uh, this chronic kind of hip pain thing going on and then uh, like I had kids like 20, 30 years ago. But Mm -hmm. had this niggling hip pain and they were told to do, you know, loads and loads of pelvic floor, like contract, contract, contract. Mm. And then finally sent them to see pelvic floor specialists after I was working with them for so long and we couldn't quite figure out. And they were all hypertonic.
1: Yep. Like, just like
0: the muscle was just like on so hard for so long. And they reported back that their hip pain started around giving birth.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, and and when I went in to look, to to one of my appointments, it was how have you, are you doing your pelvic floor exercises? <laughs> this is when I was pregnant the first time, and I said I think so, like you know Kegels, right? And she was like, Yep, yep, you know, just contracting and holding and seeing how long you can hold for, and all all about contraction. The focus was contraction, contraction, contraction. Since I've I've learned since like relaxation is just as if not more important than the contraction and and your core creates this container you know with your abdominals your diaphragm and your pelvic floor is this beautiful little container that is supposed to monitor pressure and function really well um and here we are just contracting and lifting over and over and over but we're not connecting that with the diaphragm and the breath and if we don't bring the breath into it in my opinion what what we're not teaching this container to work properly and if we want to get back into running post-baby, you know, not immediately, definitely no rush there. But if that's something we do want, we need the, that container to be doing that um, automatically. You can't be running and trying to think of how it's all functioning as a, as a complex unit. Um, and, and that's what I not s- taught. No, no. It's just like the
0: cycle and, and your hormones and your periods and your, and like, this is not taught this stuff around, you know what, the, this is the pelvic floor. This is the container. You know, this is, we need both contraction and relax, like relaxing and yeah.
1: Totally. And the other, the other issue there from coming from a strength and conditioning space, you know, completely the opposite. And I learned to squat. I learned to take a big belly breath, push out, <laughs> and then, um, you know, basically bear down as hard as I could and squat as heavy as I could. And I tell women all the time, oh, it, no, it doesn't. It's no connection to pelvic floor stuff. You're fine." Um, and you know, without sounding horrible, a lot of that comes from a male-dominated industry where they can brace down. And yes, men have pelvic floors too. um, So it is still a consideration for them and ab separation. Um, But what I learned, I guess, was that, yeah, we do need to be careful in that space. And I want women to be able to get under a barbell and be able to do squats and not be afraid of prolapse or of pelvic floor symptoms and issues, which is a very real thing because of that container. And if we're taught to take this big breath and increase intra abdominal pressure as much as we can and bear down, um, we are going to cause issues there. So I think it's really important and education in that space I'm really excited about um, because, yeah, we want to be contracting the pelvic floor on exhale, not on inhale. That's the strongest position, um, especially if there's any symptoms or weaknesses there. Um, and you, know, you would probably know this from Olympic lifting, but I spoke to a girl who's a competitive Olympic lifter, and she goes, oh yeah, peeing yourself's normal. Like, it's something that happens um, when you're on the platform sometimes, and, and, and with that much load and those kind of explosive movements, it's really hard to avoid that pressure, and it will, it will be there, but we need to understand the different levels of that, and the women that we're training, if they are coming in with those um, underlying symptoms, not to educate them to take these massive breaths and bear down and 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 basically cause problems
0: yeah i uh used to train a lady that would just be terrified to get under the bar to do in olympic lifting because she would just pee Um, But she was told for so long, squeeze harder, squeeze everything harder, hold, take a big breath uh, when she was squatting and lifting. And Mm. um, then she went to a pelvic uh, floor specialist and her work was just to relax. Like she had to sit on the toilet and like fully like relaxed to make sure like all the pee was out because sometimes it would be so like hypotonic that there would still be pee left in there. And then she wouldn't really know and she would just keep going. But yeah. the floor specialist was, was like, no, you have to like learn how to like fully relax it. Yep,
1: yeah, totally. And it's something you would never even consider, especially in that gym space, if you haven't come across it. And, you know, I didn't I exercise science degree. I didn't come across it. Yeah. Like, me it's anger. shocking. Yeah, Shocking. <laughs> like absolutely unbelievable. And I guess that it was like a no brainer that drove me into the space because it was like, I can't continue to train women without having an understanding of this, whether they're 20, whether they're 60, 70. I mean, it's all relevant. And hormonally we see those, as we start to approach menopause, a lot, of the, a lot of those hormonal changes also start to cause issues again. So if you've got this underlying weak or super tight pelvic floor that hasn't been rehabbed, that's when those issues are going to come up again later. You might not notice it until perimenopause, and then you'll start to see kind of the leakage issues or the stress incontinence issues. But we need to know that now, you know. It's like with bone density work. We need to know that early, not wait for the fractures and the warning signs later.
0: So say if uh, like a female is experiencing something, something's going on uh, and I know sometimes it can be hard to tell until there is deeper work done and, but say, uh, you know, maybe a bit of leakaging or um, what are some other common things that you see that come so up? So
1: pelvic pain, pressure, um, like that feeling like you need to pee uh, when you, when you're exercising and, um, the feeling like you've got something falling out that, that kind of feeling, even though you don't, um, yeah, those are basically your kind of key red flags. So if you're feeling those, and this does not have to be postnatal. a lot of elite athletes, women have these um, symptoms as well. And, you know, it might even be less likely that they're going to talk about it because they haven't had kids. Sometimes it makes it a little bit easier. Um, So yeah, those, those things and all I can really recommend. And I didn't even know, um, I was very oblivious, but I didn't really even know these people existed, but pelvic floor specialists or women's physios, that's the number one thing I would recommend. Somebody that, you know, knows what's going on, can assess, can look at whether you're super tight, like you were saying, and how you're contracting and how that's connecting in with the breath. Um, is the very first place I'd recommend anyone to go. And I really think every woman after they have kids um, or a birth should go and see someone. And that can be cesarean or vaginal birth. I don't think it matters because you've got this really big change in load and how your whole container's working.
0: Yeah. The, the, the weight, the weight system is completely different and the pressure that it puts on the diaphragm and the abdominal muscles and down on the pelvis. Yeah. yeah. I think for nine months, It doesn't matter what kind of birth, either or. It's like this pressure,
1: exactly. And then you have hormones like relaxin that are changing the way all of your structures are. And you know, for some women that are come into that, that are hypermobile, coming into that, into which is the opposite of what I was. But you know, all of a sudden they've got additional relax relaxin happening in their tissues. So, and that continues through breastfeeding to a certain extent as well. So. Yeah, it's mind blowing. It yeah. goes on, you know, even that breastfeeding can be years post baby. So um, if you're trying to get back into impact sport or you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to, to get back, which is this another word that I really hate in the industry, um, you know, you're going to have this massive mental battle when your body's really just kind of not set up to, to do that right now.
0: Yeah, and also that you don't have the tools to do that yeah. because getting back, it's not really going back. You can't go no. back. It's like it's going forward Yeah, because everything's changed. So it's yeah. how do I take steps forward into exactly. what, whatever I want to do? And so when you're working with women and they are postpartum, uh, how do you support them on on taking those steps forward,
1: I guess the first thing is trying to increase awareness around that idea in the first place. So this is postpartum, but this is also with any woman in in their relationship with their body, in being open. Um, the tricky thing when we're postpartum is all of a sudden you've got a newborn in your life, and that takes up a lot of time <laughs> and Sleep that you know, sleep goes downhill, and we know that we know how important sleep is. Um, so, we're in this place of your body feels not right, it doesn't feel like you. You might have these symptoms going on, you might have chronic pain going on, um, but you're also not getting adequate sleep, and you're also trying to figure a lot of stuff out, and you're also often disconnected from your community. So, if you were going to a gym before you know, and seeing people, or you were at work, or you're doing all these things, all of a sudden, that community often gets a lot smaller. Um, So the hardest part in that is actually having these conversations and knowing that it's okay to be feeling completely overwhelmed physically, emotionally. Um, So that's the tricky part is, I guess, accessing. So that's why it's important to have the education prior. So pregnancy is a really good place to start to Prepare, uh, prepare for the postpartum period, um, rather than waiting till that moment where everything just goes haywire. Is that talked about a lot? It's better and better now. There's a lot more podcasts um, coming up around that. There's a lot more focus on, yeah, on preparing for postpartum, and also, I guess, a lot more focus on the mum and the care of the mum, rather than it all being about this baby that's coming. Um, I think for a long time, it was baby, baby's coming, baby's coming and not how are you going to cope and how are you set up? And what was your life and identity prior to that coming along? Um, You know, which for me, I sold my business, the gym as I think when Jackson was about a year, not quite a year old. So I went from being this business owner, you know, in this gym environment, I had this massive community and I loved the members and we had a lot of communication with the members and a lot of them were moms and it was this awesome place to be supported to you know gone um and when you run into people what do you do you know that whole thing that whole identity thing comes up plus physically you feel different so yeah tools tools what i hope to do is connect with more women earlier on um and give them permission i think is a really big thing to kind of question this stuff and identify kind of what what their support structure is um post baby and setting them up to be okay with giving themselves you know 40 days um to or a month to just be with the newborn and not put all this additional pressure on themselves to train and you know i get i get um inquiries for pt all the time or i get questions about returning to running at, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks postpartum. And it's, it's, yeah, it's sad because I think it's often the wrong reasoning behind it rather than, yeah. Yeah.
0: I like that you bring that up because I feel like if you're in a place of, you know, you do it just for pure connection to your body or. Yeah you will understand that that connection needs to be a little different for now. And it's coming back to this ego and this attachment and, you know, I need to do this to to lose weight or to change my body composition or often I find that it comes back to that piece, which, you know, again, is putting even more stress. And this is like when I work with women and talk to them about this um, obsession with their weight, shape and size, Uh, And I talk often about their umbrella and I'm like, but that's putting so much stress on your nervous system, on your umbrella. The fact that you think about that all the time is a stressor, even though on a conscious level, it may not be there, but subconsciously, if that's all you're thinking about, it's stressful on the body.
1: Well, and those are the times, like I know for me personally, when I'm stressed and have those underlying thoughts, that's when I'm smashing sugar and feeling like eating terribly and feeling terrible about the food I'm eating. Those are the times in my life when those the cravings have been an issue for me, you know. It's not when I'm when I have learned to to let those thoughts go or pause those thoughts because something else is the focus at that current time. And you know, even more heightened when we're in a state with no sleep and this whole new thing that we're responsible for, which really elevates, we can elevate that stress. Um,
0: yeah. Your hormones are a mess. Like everything
1: is like chaos. It's a shit show. (laughs) It's chaos. And then you flick through Instagram and you're seeing get back to you see before and afters of women, you know, pregnant. And then with six packs and you see these programs advertised and it's like just fueling, um, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible.
0: But like you said, it's coming, uh, the awareness and people speaking about it and people showing the other side, it's there, it's coming, it's coming through that, you know, like people telling stories about how hard it actually is, what it's really like. So it's nice to see that come into it, Yeah, uh, which is, uh, I think so empowering and so helpful when, you know, and that's, really you're in choice to who you follow do you want to follow that or do you want to follow you know the mom that's just real and she's trying to like navigate all this and then you know get back into to training um while she's yeah doing like raising a little human um
1: definitely it's nice
0: to see that there's different education coming through and there's different storytelling coming through
1: Yeah, definitely. It's awesome. And I'm hoping it just balloons from here because it's really important. And it's such, there's so many women in that situation. It's not like a tiny percentage of the population. It's huge.
0: Yeah. So there's so many pieces to it. Like you have this little human and you're navigating that and supporting them. And then obviously there's a lot of hormonal stuff going on potentially breastfeeding and then you're not getting enough sleep food can become an issue as well Uh, and that comes up often like just grabbing and again this attention moving into the little human but not coming back to make sure that you know what actually I'm the most important person here because if I can't look after myself and nourish myself or get the support that I need to support me, well, then it's hard for me to, like, function. (laughs) So the other piece, where are some other pieces for you? So we've got, obviously, the sleep is a big one. To understand that that's going to be impacted, it's going to play a really big part in, you know, how you feel, how well you can recover, what you can do, and that can change. Uh, Food, obviously, is another one. Um, And I know that you're big into to the nutrition side of it, and you've been yep. big in that space for a while. Uh, do you support them in that as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you nailed it exactly when it comes back to the woman and the mum seeing themselves as a really important or the most important piece in the puzzle. Um, that's really hard to do. And we've kind of, I think, the culture is around, you know, get dinner on the table for everyone else. Um, even if it means missing out on that sleep or, you know, a lot of women and I laughed when people told me to sleep when the baby sleeps. And I used to go, (laughs) I get, I get that time and that's it. Like at the moment I get 40 minutes a day in the middle of the day and that's it, you know? So the last thing I want to do is go to sleep when I either want to be building content or I need to clean the kitchen or I need to do whatever. So it comes back to that permission. It's permission to, you know what, leave the dishes there, leave the laundry there. Don't put pressure on yourself to build a business right in that period, for example. And I'm talking to myself with that. Um, (laughs) and to go to sleep, you know, or when you put your baby down at night, go to sleep at seven and compromise that time with your family or your husband. And that's really, really, really tough. Um, so yes, food is a really big one. And I think for a lot of women, it becomes a grab and go, um, especially if they're breastfeeding um there's often you know you get hungry i was starving a lot of the time um i couldn't eat enough to keep myself feeling nourished um and i had to just really up my calories and eat really nutrient dense calorie dense foods which was complete opposite psychology to what i was used to as well so here you have you know again a lot of women are in in a mindset which is to avoid carbs or to avoid fats or, you know, what their diet rules are. And then all of a sudden their body's producing the nourishment for their child. And, you know, it's a lot, it's incredible how much. Um, And that can be really confronting to actually let it, let yourself eat food for calories and for energy to provide to to the baby. Um so that's one piece there that I think again is is education is really important um, and giving permission to let go of some of these rules that we've created that we may be holding on to since you know our teen years um, and 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 learning to to yeah so I guess my biggest thing is is finding shortcuts, finding ways especially now like with a toddler who's eating and navigating that whole learning how to feed him and not just open packets because that's all he wants to do is eat things out of packets <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing what the marketing does even i know two. that's all they want to do so tricks you know it's all about tricks and shortcuts and not feeling bad about that you know how can we shortcut um how can we do big cook-ups and freeze heaps for the toddlers and and this, there is a lot of accounts and a lot of food stuff out there. Um, you can get support in that. A lot of, yeah, ideas around how to, how to prepare really easily. But again, how to do it for the toddler or the kids. You know, immediately my brain goes to that rather than the mum. So getting that help, getting set up. A lot of women do kind of meal deliveries if they can. And if that's something they have resources for in that first 40 days or month after Having a baby so it's something you don't have to think about because unfortunately too, there's a lot of support in that first couple of weeks and people will bring stuff around and come meet the new baby and, you know, you feel you're getting a lot of support, family might come and stay, but it's the, you know, the six month mark, the nine month mark, then you're pregnant with the second time around and the new baby and you've got the toddler and it kind of loses that novelty for people. Um, and I know I've catch myself doing this all the time, like second kid, oh, congrats. You know, whereas first kid, you're like there with all this stuff for mom, for Bob. but like we have this built in, oh, they know what they're doing. Like they're good. They're sorted. Yeah. It's but it's second way, one. like Yeah, second one. It's hilarious. Um, so I think too, yeah, just, just preparing yourself for that. Like this time around, I want to, you know, freeze a stock, um, for after when that support, and it sounds terrible when the support dwindles out. It's not that at all, but it's more like when you're kind of into your own groove as a family again, and you don't have people staying and helping and supporting, Um, you know, and for us, our family isn't, you know, down the street. So we have to set up those systems to support me um, so that I'm not kind of doing all of it and compromising on a lot of those really important, you know, kind of prongs of the umbrella.
0: Yeah. And I think there's so much in that. And I love that. I, and I think the work that you're going to do with them at the start is going to help all of that. When they can start to understand that there's so many, like there's so many prongs, they're all going to get disrupted. They all connect into each other. And it's not about then going back to have the perfect umbrella and everything's going to be fine, but it's more so picking out, okay, what are we going to focus on? And so through your work, it's like, all right, if you want to get back to exercising and moving your body, okay, let's, we can do it, but let's do it. You know, this is the education. These are the tools that you can do that when you're ready. And then, you know, there's someone else that they might use for another prong, but
1: understanding that,
0: they only can pick a couple of prongs and sleep is yeah. going to be there.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. no that's point. really important. Yeah. Like that, that's really important and really awesome to kind of say it in that way of like, it's just there. It doesn't mean you have to fix it. And I think a lot of women get really kind of irritated when and I've been here, when they get told, you know, nap with the baby naps or any of those comments, you need more sleep. You need to get more sleep. You know that, you know, as a as a new mum, you know, and I was lucky I had a baby that slept. Some mums' babies do not sleep. Like, they do not sleep. So it can be really frustrating to hear you need to fix it rather than just you need to sit with it. It's going to be there, like you said. Um, sleep is one really elephant in the room. And, you know, if your sleep's not there, returning to running is not a priority. It's and it's and it sucks, I know, because I know how much getting out for your for my run, you know, it used to be for a lot of different reasons. A lot of it used to be self-punishment and weight loss. And so I could eat or counterbalance what I'd eaten. Now for me, running on trails, especially around where I live, is it is my self-care. It's my time. Nobody can bother me. Nobody's asking me for anything. I would run for hours if I could, because for <laughs> me it's about, it's not about damaging myself or punishing myself and that's something that motherhood has taught me that's been absolutely awesome you know i go to the gym because it's my hour and i'm doing it for my self-care and you know i still love a lot of the movements i learned from you um, (laughs) all those years ago because it's moving right for me movement has become that self-care piece and the i can leave and actually go do something for myself And I'd love to see more women switch their idea of movement or exercise or training or whatever you want to call it into that's your time, you know. And my dad actually taught me that without really realizing it that he prioritizes that because it's his time. He doesn't do it to so he can eat food or you know punish himself. He does it because it's a luxury. It's a luxury to be able to go into his beautiful little gym space that he set up and move his body that he has. Yeah, to um, connect with his body. Oh, yeah, and I've only really gotten that post baby, which has been a really, and I, and I heard people talk about it, but I, I couldn't feel it. It still for me was like, I need to go to the gym. Now it's like, please, when can I book it in? When can I go? When can I go for my run this weekend? You know, I wanna go. So yeah. um, yes, it's sitting with the things that may be disrupted right now, and that could be for a year, two years, three years. You know, toddlers not, aren't necessarily any easier on the sleep than babies. Um, and it ebbs and flows. And there's periods of time. If you have a crappy night's sleep, I've had a few this week. It's not the day to go get up at 6 a.m. and go to a hardcore boot camp. It's not. It's, in my opinion, it's not doing. it's not nurturing yourself as a mum and as a body.
0: Even as a woman, and this comes up a lot, I get asked a lot, like, how do you know, you know, if you're recovered well or to prioritize recovery or, you know, when I should rest and it's coming back to this, did you sleep? Did you eat enough food? And then if those are no's for me, I'm like, it's a no. <laughs>
1: yes, totally. And that's go something for a
0: walk, nurture, yeah. eat food, rest, because you're not gonna get where you wanna go. Like having a goal and results is totally cool. Yeah? yeah, but you're never gonna get there or you may get there, but it's at the detriment to so many areas of your health if you keep doing that.
1: Definitely. And working in this space or specializing with postnatal and pregnancy, it's actually brought up a lot of stuff that's, you know, it's got nothing to do with pregnancy and postpartum. That's just an excuse for women to go, Oh, I need more help. Like when I'm really struggling, but what you see, it's all the same themes. You know, I've, I've seen that through my entire career with training, personal training. It doesn't matter whether you're a teenager um the stresses that we put on ourselves the lack of sleep the screen time you know the why behind our training and our eating all of that comes into play and you know we often think we're doing these things because it's going to get us to where we want to be but you know if it's that hard to get up for a 5am class and your body is telling you so strongly that it does not want to go out there in that cold wet rainy morning to go smash yourself you know it's and that's something funny that came up in in a lot of like pregnancy and postpartum training. training will say listen to your body and it's like who can honestly say that i can hear my body loud and clear and i know what my body is telling me like i'm the first to put up my hand and say that is not a good piece of advice for me you know because if i just we, i've lost touch with that um and it takes slowing down and pausing and listening and like being your own detective. And like you say, it takes years. It's a long game. It's not something you can teach someone in an eight week program to listen to your body. Like,
0: yeah, it might not Decades. be that exciting to hear. <laughs> no, um, but this is but, like the hard part of the work that I do. It's like this, the building trust, the listening, yeah. the awareness. And I love that you bring that up because someone can say, oh, just listen to your body. Oh, but we're so disconnected. We don't even yeah. know how to listen to our bodies anymore.
1: I know. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, you can train. if it, You can run through pregnancy if you've always run and just listen to your body. And it's like, well, I don't know. Have you ever been pregnant before and experienced that? Because it's completely new. Um, and like we've talked about, you know, there's no going back to what it was before because it's a new it's a whole new emotional place. It's a new physical place. And, and rather I'd like to teach excitement around getting to know the new person. You know, and that's what I come back to with myself. It's like, I'm getting to know myself as a mum. I'm getting to know myself pregnant again. And it's different this time. Um, you know, this time running feels terrible. I feel like I have to stop and pee every five seconds. So I know that there's this thing there that's like, you know, can I choose something else? Um, Whereas at the first pregnancy, I pushed. I wanted to run a bit further throughout it, and I felt good. But you know, it's kind of like, why? What What is the reason for that? Um, So yeah, that was a long winded answer to your question. No,
0: I love it. There's so much in it, and we could speak for hours on this. And we could go deep on so many uh, topics. I I think where I want to finish with it is. Just some things that uh, a woman could do. Actually, I want to hear about how you got back into running. Like before, like after J- Jackson and that little journey, if you could just t- talk to us about that, that would be cool. And then we'll finish yeah. on a few tips that you could give them and our questions.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, so running's a good one because it it does also parallel to sport. Um, you know, for a lot of women that play netball or tennis or um, want to get back into basically impact, even boot camps and stuff can be an impact activity. So with Jackson, I ended up having a cesarean birth, so I can't speak firsthand from the pelvic floor um, changes that occurred with a vaginal birth. But in terms of the confidence around that, um, It's basically, again, like I've said, it's completely getting to know who you are again. And I found the biggest thing for me was um, mechanically, how my body moved and worked. Because all of a sudden, you've grown this really big load out in front of you. So like I said before, my glutes, my hammies were super tight, my calves, um, my back, my thoracic spine was locked up. Because it's all, your posterior chain's all working to hold this load, especially if you're running and trying to do all this stuff with it too, right? So all of a sudden, that load's gone like that. I mean, you've still got weight in places and your boobs are different and everything's different, but you don't have that extreme um, babysitting out there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, to go and pressure yourself to get back into running, it can be a really odd thing for your body and your musculature to deal with. So that's one area and I noticed that coming from my background, I could tell my posterior chain was super tight, super locked up. I needed someone like you in my life, definitely. (laughs) Um, So it was first identifying feeling different, um, identifying that my whole perception, my whole priorities in my life had changed. I actually signed up and did a, a half marathon, the Razorback run. I think Jackson was you know, eight, nine months or something. So I put pressure on myself again, having no idea what this would be like, signed up for this, I can do it. Um, but it was really good for me to get kind of that element of the self time by myself thing. And I did not rush anything. Um, in terms of pace and all that stuff. Again, I had to learn to let all that go. But what I remember noticing in that was everything in my brain was about him. So I would be like, have to get him looked after. And then there's the feeling of leaving him to go for a long run. When am I breastfeeding? I have to get back to feed him. So all of my thoughts around my training weren't about me anymore. And that's something that, you know, I think probably shifts forever. But I remember even doing the race and he was being looked after. And I think probably 90% of the race, I thought about Jackson. I was like, I wonder how he's going with this person looking after him. Um, I need to feed him. I wonder if I'll get back. Am I going to run this fast enough to get back in time to feed him? What if he runs out of milk? Like, honestly, it was this internal chatter was just problem solving him, which who was you know, down in town, and I was up on this mountaintop. So um, for me, a lot of that was like, wow, like reflecting on that and realizing how much had shifted in terms of not only how I felt physically, but emotionally and that connection with him. Um, Physically, I took it slow, um, you know, and I was fortunate to be learning about, that process at the same time. So there's, I can and I can give you the link for this, but the Postnatal Return to Running Guidelines are an amazing resource compiled by some physios in the UK um, that it's free share to everyone. Um, and they provide a lot of information around taking it super slow, what to look for before somebody is kind of able to go back to running. Um, there's certain testing you can do, certain things around sleep that you can look at, stresses, Um, but my biggest kind of pieces of advice, I guess, is start really slow, start with small intervals, little 10 seconds, 20 seconds, you know, 30 seconds. Even if you're a runner, start slow and let your body recover in your intervals, your time off, let your heart rate come down, do three or four, stop, see how you feel the next day, you know, look out for those pelvic symptoms look out for how's your musculature feeling like you, the last thing you want to do is pull a hammy when you're trying to do a short little um, stint of running so start slow start short um, definitely something i learned and i actually felt myself before i even learned it was that running up a gentle hill is much kinder on the pelvic floor because it allows us to shift the ribs forward and i actually found when i was running pregnant and even now if i'd run Or walk, if I go downhill, it's the worst position because you're put into that extension. Yeah. You can imagine you're running downhill like this in that extended position. Our pelvis shifts and that's when you feel more likely to feel pressure, get leakage. You know, it's the same with returning to skipping. We want to learn to bring, um, stack the ribcage over the pelvis. Yeah, so it's an awareness around that. But running uphill kind of tricks your body into that, doing that a little bit and being and thinking about that position um, and soft, soft ground. I mean, I've given up on concrete. Now I don't run on concrete, <laughs> I refuse, but I'm lucky to be surrounded by trails. So if you can get to grass, if you can get to dirt, um, you also can get that connection with nature, which is a win-win, but softening that impact because muscular, through your muscular system as well, If you haven't been doing it, you've had this huge shift in load and mechanics, then that all changes again. Then you go and slam the concrete, you know, it's it's more likely to cause issues. And again, that's coming back to injury. Um, But with anything returning to anything, it's being aware of what to look out for, which are those same things like urgency, leaking, pressure, pain, the feeling like something's falling out. Any of those things you stop and reassess. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. but it's your body telling you, you know, there is, there is warning postpartum for prolapses. And a lot of times it happens a year, a year and a half, two years following the labor, because that's when women think I'm ready to really push it hard now. And that's when a lot of the times, if it hasn't been rehabbed, it'll show up. It's not necessarily in six weeks post.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. It's, um, and stress is a really big factor in that too. Um, yeah. And the first friend,
0: couple of years is so stressful.
1: Yeah. I had a friend who had a toothache and she was flying and she was really nervous about her tooth and flying. And she was, she had a baby. Oh, I can't remember exactly, but it was months before that. And she was bearing down because of the pain, you know, that feeling of like, uh, yeah. And that's when she started to notice symptoms through the whole process was because later she had this bearing down and stress and was like, oh, am I going to get on my flight without going to the dentist? You know, silly thing. But, you know, you think of grinding our teeth or you think of stresses that might come up in other areas at work or family that could be emotionally driven. And that's where you can see, just like you discuss with your cycle, throwing things out of whack, it can change the way we actually push down or you know, hold our bodies. Um, so that's, yeah, it's interesting. Oh,
0: it's so interesting <laughs> and it's so, yeah, it's so fascinating. Uh, my biggest takeaways from today were around just like the lack of education about what it's actually going to do to the body. Even if you think that you're strong and you've been training, it's a, there's actually it's more complex than that uh yeah. and I love how you bring up the the positioning of or the posture that you hold when you know you're feeding the baby or rocking the baby to sleep or and that can bring up a lot of stuff in the body that if you're not aware of that and you don't train it pain then pain mm-hmm. often comes up uh yeah in the conversations around after giving birth for years, uh, yeah. that the back was never the same, the thoracic exactly. was never the same, yeah. the after neck. Kids. Yeah. yeah, I hear a lot of neck stuff as well. Uh, and yeah. so my biggest takeaway was that the work that you want to do in that in in you know doing probably these weird neck exercises that they're probably like why would I even want to do these but once they actually go through uh that and they understand it's just so cool I, I yeah. love it um okay let's finish with five questions yep. uh and then you can go back to your little human <laughs> yep, uh, and you time. kind of answered
1: this uh, already why do you train so yes me time undisturbed it's number one number two to be pain-free so a lot of my training now is around still focused on my thoracic spine shoulders posture posterior chain um yeah and that's that's the main thing to feel good um in my own body yeah beautiful
0: Okay, number two, if you have, uh, you have a billboard in Times Square and it's going to stay there forever, permanently, what does it say on it?
1: Be your own detective.
0: Yes, I love that. And I love that you're helping women become detectives.
1: Yeah, and yeah, the other one I tossed up was there is no rush. <laughs> <laughs> They go hand in hand. Yeah. I love but that. That one too. up on a billboard might, might change the energy of Times Square if it's there, you know, no, but yeah, those two things.
0: That's beautiful. Be your own detective and there's no rush. Yeah. Okay. What do you like that no one else really likes?
1: Oh, I like staying in and being a grandma and watching rom-coms. Yeah. Um, and not socializing a lot of the time. Yeah. So, uh, yes, um, and that kind of goes hand in hand sometimes with Melbourne winters. I like that it's an excuse to cozy up and be in and chill out. Um, Food-wise, I love eating capers right out of the jar. It's a bit of a fun fact on me. Love yeah. them. <laughs> I don't think very many, share many share people that.
0: really like that. <laughs> Sauerkraut, capers,
1: olives. They're my jam. Always have been. (laughs) Okay, two more. Uh, Your top three favourite books. Um, Number one, Faraway Tree Stories by Enid Blyton. I like that book. It's nostalgic childhood memories. I can open any page and I can just read from there. Um, Another one is Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. Um, If you want to get... An introduction into just amazing nourishing food and the concepts behind that and cut some of the research behind that. I'd highly recommend that book. Really good broth recipes, especially for new mums. Um, yeah, great book. Number three, I the book that kind of changed a lot of my ideas around nutrition was Gut by, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce her name right, but Gulia or Julia Enders. Um, there's lots of great gut health books, but her—I just found hers really fun to read, easy to read. She made the gut humorous and like, kind of like, oh yeah, I'm just reading about poo and bacteria, and this is awesome. Like, how cool is this? Um, and those books, I do have to clear—I haven't read a book from cover to cover in a long time now. But um, I'm one of the people that gets through two pages and falls asleep. So lots of books on my bedside table, but those three, yeah, probably for me um, kind of stick with me and always have a spot on my shelf.
0: Beautiful. I love it. I love a good book about poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's mind blowing. It's yeah. mind blowing.
0: It's so cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. Last one. What three things would you like to be remembered for?
1: Hmm. Um, I guess my smile and my laugh not because they're anything special but because if I'm remembered for those that I'm having fun and I that's one of my values not taking myself too seriously Um, which you know when I, I I was really good at that as a kid I was one of those really quirky always pulling faces always just kind of no filter kids. (laughs) Um, I'd like to keep that in my life as much as possible um, and be remembered for that, Uh, for being an adventurous mum and present mum and spending, you know, quality time. sounds cliched, but yeah, kind of showing my family and my kids that there's a world out there and we can have fun in it and doing outrageous things, just being outrageous. Um <laughs> the other one would be let me think. What would I want to be remembered for? Oh mind blank.
0: Those two are amazing.
1: Yeah, they contain a we lot We don't need
0: there. to have three. <laughs> Let's say not There's taking a lot myself in there. Is the yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, Lizzie, yeah. where can uh people, women in particular <laughs> find you and find some information um so
1: i'm probably the most frequent on instagram at the moment because it's short and sweet and i can do it in 40 minutes um which is lizzie with a y j crouch um and then i have a website but it definitely is going to be there's just a little bit of information on there but it's just lizzie crouch so yeah, those are probably the best tools. And if anyone has any questions, I'm more than happy to share resources. There's some amazing resources, amazing podcasts um, in this space. Just send me a message or an email through any of those and I can happy to share information. Um, Beautiful.
0: I actually might get you just through an email to send me a couple of uh, links of resources and I can pop them in the show notes. And so then they'll be there uh, if some women want to dig deeper and start to learn more about it. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Lizzie, I know that you didn't feel that great. You had a bit of a cold, but thank you for creating uh, an hour of space in your day to share your knowledge.
1: I learned so much today. Awesome. No, thank you so much for having me. And it's, I learned a lot too, actually just thinking about these things and, Talking about my story, so no, thank you for allowing me the space.
0: Thank you. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at Amy I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amikatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.